Having the right TMS is vital in supporting freight broker growth. Partner with Thai Software to optimize your processes and compete with confidence. Get into the automation, data insights, and cash flow optimization game. Request a demo at thaisoftware.com. Welcome back to another edition of Jet Call. Today, we're recapping the freight markets for the year and giving some hot takes for 2024. Don't forget to subscribe to Check Call the newsletter on FreightWaves.com if you haven't already. Today, to close out the year, we have none other than the one and the only David Spencer, Vice President of Market Intelligence at Arrive Logistics. Welcome back to the show, David. Thank you so much for having me, Mary. Great to be here. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you as well. I feel like it's truly the only way to end the year than with the one and only David Spencer. Because, I mean, you know, you, you've been on the show more than anyone else. And um, yeah, I'm just excited that uh, we're going to start, we're going to end the year recapping some of our highlights from the year. And uh, maybe we'll see how spicy of a freight opinion you can get. Let's do it. So last year, you gave some hot takes. And I'm just going to just start off the bat and I'm going to grade your hot takes. So you said that carrier and brokers were going to work together to protect rates. I think that was, that was pretty smart. That was, that was pretty safe assumption. I think that's a, a check 100%. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we did see a falling rate environment, but, you know, from I'd say mid-year on, the spot rate floor was pretty well established. And, um, you know, the contract rate decline, I think, did slow down on the latter part of the year here. and so. You know, we're kind of finding that rate floor. And, and if you call that protecting rates, then I'm happy to take credit for that. I think it's more just like I, we need to keep freight moving and carriers aren't running at profit anymore. So we just need to find the thing that carriers will take our freight to continue running. Um, the other one that you had is that overall contract rates for fall will fall. And I mean, you know, that's spot on. It's spot on. We're seeing it now, even as we kind of get through bid season, too. Yeah, I mean, I'll take credit for a hot take here, but I think that this was, um, you know, a uh, an outlook that many shared coming into the year. Obviously, we knew the uh, spot rate environment coming in off of 2022 was uh, in free fall, to say the least. And, um, you know, we knew a lot of excess, excess capacity existed in the market. So uh, that gap needed to close between spot and contract, and I don't think it was going to happen from increasing spot rates. So uh, yeah, uh, happy to get that one right. I think, uh, you know, if this were Bozo Buckets, that would have been the first bucket in terms of difficulty. Oh, absolutely. I uh, So far, you're pretty much two for two. The third one you had is uh, OT, uh, outbound tender rejection index was going to fall and strong carrier compliance is going to continue. I think we can say that's a 100% check mark as well. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think, uh, you know, uh, it's really relevant uh, if, from a seasonal perspective right now to talk about you know, how the volatility we've seen in rejection rates compared to where they were a year ago has certainly increased. But, um, you know, you look back to some of the major, you know, seasonal demand pushes throughout the year, especially on the band side, rejection rates did not jump like what we've seen in the past, especially in a disrupted market. We saw really strong carrier compliance through those seasonal demand pushes and, um, you know, uh, not a ton of spot rate volatility, except for those most, um, you know, intense weeks in terms of, of disruption, whether that be uh, a major holiday or, or a peak season onset. I like it. Um, I think that that's that pretty on point, but, you know, not do nothing, nothing too out of the ordinary. We, like you said, we kind of expect it heading into the year. 
Um, we're just gonna, you know, carry on. And here's hoping that contract compliance continues. Um, and then the last one that we had was a return to normal seasonality, but June would cause some volatility. Yeah, I mean, every single year we tend to see uh, that period between DOT week and, and the 4th of July kind of be, um, you know, a, a peak demand season as it relates to sort of summer goods and bottled beverage and that kind of thing. And so you see that that micro disruption in the form of normal seasonality. And, and that certainly was the the first major stressor that the market had seen in more than a year at that point in time. And, um, you know, from that point on throughout the year, especially on the refrigerated side of things, we saw those normal seasonal demand surges, whether that was, um, you know, harvest uh, from a produce perspective throughout the summer uh, or Thanksgiving, uh, you saw that increased volatility, uh, you know, around those holidays and around those normal seasonal uh, pushes, um, especially comparing to 2022. I think that um, one of the things that actually really surprised me this year was the reefer demand and the reefer rejection rate and kind of how that seemingly shot up pretty high for the end of the year. I mean, almost uh, what the national average is like 7% right now. And most of the, like the certain markets are like still up in the 20s. I, that was something that really kind of shocked me going into the end of the year is how there is still such demand for reefer. And um, I mean, I make sense around frozen time and um, at the end of produce season, but it's still held on even into like the, the peak retail season. Is that, is that typical? I'm not super familiar with all of the reefer markets year over year, but is that pretty typical for this time of year to have high reefer demand? Yeah, well, especially in, in the weeks leading up to the holidays, right? A lot of food getting prepped uh, in a position uh, for uh, grocery and, and food service and that kind of thing, right? And so, um, you know, whether that's holiday hams or uh, turkeys for Thanksgiving um, or everything in between, right? Anything that goes in a temp control trailer, we, we certainly saw uh, volatility in, the, in in rates and rejections in the lead up to Thanksgiving, and um, we're as you mentioned, we're starting to see that volatility in the lead up to Christmas here as well. And so, um, just like Thanksgiving, though, we saw an easing in the weeks following, and you know, I expect we do see an easing in the weeks following Christmas as well. Um, you know, as 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 uh, the reefer demand starts to fall off from the food perspective. Um, but overall, like what I would say is, is people aren't going to eat less uh, Thanksgiving food. Um, or less Christmas meals, right? Um, they're still going to eat. Um, and you have to presume or assume that um, there has been some capacity depletion on the refrigerated side uh, this year. You know, we, we all know where revocations of authority are at. And, and while all of that may not be driver exits, um, at least some portion of that is. And so uh, you see uh, a year-over-year basis, similar demand, uh, decreased capacity, that's going to lead to increased challenges. And, and that's how we are thinking through what we're seeing here in uh, the Q4 peak season. I mean, I guess when you bring up the fact that, you know, holiday meals have to get to the table, because um, consumers were where there's a way, where there's a will, they'll find a way to have a nice Christmas dinner and spend everything that they need and et cetera, et cetera, have a good holiday season. Um, one of the things that I personally am, uh, I don't want to say concerned for, but curious to see how it plays out. I think that's the the right way. That's the wording for it. Um, is it January? Because January historically is a, um, it's a, you know, it's not a popular month. It's not a big month for freight. Um, and so I think coming down off of a muted peak season and then to what I'm going to call a depressing January 
I think it's going to be, um, I think it's really going to separate the, 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 those that are in it from those that just got in to try to make a buck because I don't feel like there's going to be many bucks made January. Yeah, January is a challenging month. I, you know, oftentimes it's kind of a tale of two different stories, the beginning of January and the end of January. Uh, this year, we're certainly expecting that first week of January to be uh, almost a continuation of that week between Christmas and New Year's and the fact that uh, shippers will experience uh, challenges and, and increased rate volatility, uh, maybe elevated tender rejection rates for that week. Uh, one of the main reasons there is is that Orthodox Easter is that week uh, not Easter, excuse me, Orthodox Christmas is that week after New Year's. Um, so you get a lot of these drivers that took time off around the holidays, um, extending that time off until uh, that Christmas is done. Um, and so really that second week of January is when we expect a lot of that capacity to come back into the market uh, in the form of drivers taking time off. You know, that's really a tr- the trend you see year over year is um, volatility around the holidays, not necessarily driven by demand increasing, um, in these holiday weeks, but really by capacity coming offline um, and an increased sense of urgency on the shipper side. And so, uh, yeah, in the first week, maybe week or two, we would expect to see, you know, the same challenges. But uh, yeah, as we get into the latter part of January and February, we'll certainly expect um, seasonal demand slowdowns to uh, have downward pressure on on spot rates back to that rate floor. I, I'm hoping I'm hoping that we don't get to that rate floor, but I have a feeling that we will. And, you know, it's fine. It's fine. We're going to make it through because it's 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 all just like it's all a, a cycle. We just got to go through the downs to get back to the ups. Um, but one of the one of the things that is happening pretty much. First of all, I would like to find out why the the first genius to make bid season during the holidays. Um, why? Just why? Like, it's a horrible idea. Nobody's in the office. It takes forever to get a bid back. But that's a different conversation for a different time. I know it makes sense, like the end of the year and like all of that. I know it makes sense, but it's very inconvenient as someone who used to run bids. It, it was horrible. Um, but as for bid season this year, do you kind of foresee as we come out of it and contracts get signed and everything like that, do you see an uptick in LTL rates uh, as everyone kind of, you know, reprices out that LT or that um, the kind of hurry up and price this from yellow? Because that was kind of one of the things that I first saw happening was, okay, everyone got their yellow freight secured and kind of absorbed into a network. But now I need to put out, put it out in a bid and rebid it to make sure I'm getting good rates. And I'm actually matching with carriers that are good for my business versus just available to, to haul this. So do you kind of foresee um, an uptick in LTL rates or do you expect those to stay pretty constant? Um, and then do you foresee shippers pushing rates any lower? Yeah, it's it's a great question. You know, um, the disruption from yellow has certainly had an impact on LTL rates. And um, when you look at LTL's um, freight mix or market share, they they had a particular uh, strength in longer length of haul LTL. Um, and so when I, I answer the question, I think it's kind of a regional LTL freight is going to have a different um, outlook than, than long, uh, longer lengths of haul. I think in the short term, uh, still in the wake of that disruption from yellow's exit, uh, I think you still could see longer length of haul LTL freight still seeing um, elevated rates, uh, especially early in the year here, um, as that dust settles. Um, however, I think, um, you know, on the regional stuff, as well as the, you know, further outlook we look at here, end of next year into 2025, uh, in the long run, uh, you know, our view and our outlook is that 
We're expecting relative stability in the LCL rate environment overall. Um, and these reverberations from yellow's exit to kind of smooth itself out, um, you know, as the months and years kind of pass by here. But um, yeah, overall, that's kind of our perspective is probably a more impact in the short term on longer length of haul LTL and um, less impact on regional. And as the farther outlook, uh, farther out we look um, from a timely perspective. And then, you know, I think it's an interesting question to also bring into the truckload space, especially that other conversation we just had a minute ago around January. Um, and the bid seek season that that is going live at you know we'll call it the end of Q1 early Q2. I think that's a really interesting time, right? And if we see um, downward pressure on spot rates in the short term, um, that's going to lead to shippers pushing down on contract rates um, from both asset carriers and and broker providers. Um, you know, for freight that that's being priced at that time of year and. And ultimately, that could be a good thing for carriers and brokers, right? If we're talking about establishing market vulnerability, because, um, you know, that contract reset lower is going to narrow that gap between the current spot and contract rates, which sets up the vulnerability that this market is looking for uh, in order to create another bull market potentially in the mid to latter part of this next year. Oh, I would be here for a bull market next year. I would be here for a slip, sw- switch and you know, maybe maybe have some less depressing rates or something where people can, you know, make some money and pocket the extra instead of, well, I, I came out with like three dollars. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 excited for that 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 kind of outlook. Um, but flipping over to the cold side of things, um, do you think that we'll see that kind of drop off in January for reefer rates? Um, or do you think that that will kind of continue to be strong because it seems kind of throughout the year the reefer rates and reefer rejections and reefer volumes have been kind of almost the exception to the rule when it comes to oh it's kind of a down freight and or it's kind of a down market and rates aren't as great but reefers seem to hold relatively consistent throughout the year um, but it is still you know like there is a little bit more demand for it than uh, there is dry van so do you think that'll kind of continue going into twenty twenty four. Yeah, it's a great question. I think overall, I think reefer freight or temp control freight will continue to see increased sensitivity to demand surges, whether that's uh, seasonality or from uh, one-off events, right? If you're you're talking about uh, January, February, for example, a time of year that can typically see severe winter weather, right? And so um, you're talking about extreme cold, uh, temp control uh, equipment becomes much more valuable, um, you know, to protect from freeze and, and things like that. So uh, I think, you know, we look at what are these events that can stimulate demand for, for, for this type of equipment. And, uh, um, you know, that's certainly possible here in, in Q1 when we're talking about winter weather. But, but yeah, I think uh, you, you look at the normal seasonal uh, demand cycles that we've seen increased rejection rate volatility, uh, increased, um, you know, spot rate volatility. I certainly expect that to continue and possibly be a leading indicator of uh, a, a market the directional change ahead of van, uh, given the better balance we believe exists between temp control equipment and temp control demand. I like that. The better balance between temp control demand and temp control volume. I I like that. That's a that's a very, very nice way of saying that Reefer kind of has their ish together and um they're 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 working they're they're they've kind of figured some of their stuff out. Um not that they are perfect by any means. Um but it is time David, to shine up that crystal ball and peer into your predictions for 2024. 
What are some hot takes? What do you think? Uh, what trends do you think are going to become common? When are things going to get better? You've kind of alluded to it, but tell us, oh, crystal ball wielder, what's going to happen? It's it's a it's a great question, I, you know. And if if getting these takes all rights coming into this year, uh, calling the down cycle, um, getting that right, it, you know, I've been saying if that's like you know making a free throw. Um, you know, predicting the up cycle is like hitting a full court shot, maybe, you know, backwards with one arm. Like you are one good prediction away from hitting that like million dollar half court shot, which I don't know if that's still a thing anymore. It might be like, you know, $50,000 now, but make your half court shot. Well, if 50,000 is on the line, I'm certainly shooting my shot. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, here's where we're at. I think what we've seen is an improved um, balance, right? Supply and demand. Um, we entered this year with an extreme oversupplied market. Um, you know, the, the market responded by seeing spot rate declines to essentially a rate floor. We've seen contract rates continue to close that gap. Um, you know, so where are we at? That's the big question. Have we seen enough capacity exit? Um, you know, how long are we going to be in this market? Um, the answer on the capacity side is I don't believe if we're going to rely on capacity exits alone that we have seen enough exits um, in order to stimulate some kind of upcycle. Um, you know, I do think that we need at least one more of those contract RFP resets um, that could be here in Q1, very much so uh, with freight going live with new rates, uh, you know, in, in, in Q1, early Q2. Um, we'd expect to see stable or growing demand needed to support that. I think you're seeing some really good indicators, right? The Fed just just uh, announced that they're expecting to do several rate cuts next year, um, maybe three rate cuts. Uh, that's great news for the housing market, which has a very strong relationship to uh, overall freight demand, right? And, and a, a lesser so, but another one that has a relationship to freight demand is the retail environment. And the consumer spent well in this year's holiday season. So uh, you're going to see retailers a little bit more optimistic in ordering uh, and building back up inventories heading into next year. Both of those are really good signs for demand. So uh, I'd say, you know, improved outlook from a demand side of things uh, as we get into the latter part of this year um, certainly sets up vulnerability next year as we see the, that rate gap close. So uh, not exactly a hot take and and um, in setting this up here, but uh, I think uh, we're still in the camp of about, you know, mid next year, uh, that June period of time, we think the market enters vulnerable state uh, for disruption. We're still going to be looking for a catalyst to create that bull market. Um, you know, otherwise, we would just expect steady rate increases. So um, I'm not going to predict a, a black swan event. So I'm going to go for uh, steady rate increases, spot rates, inflationary in a year over year basis beginning probably um, in early Q2 um, and growing through year end. Okay, I like it. Um, I'm gonna come in and say uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that, and then I'm gonna go a little crazier. I'm gonna say I'm gonna call my shot. I'm gonna say that October we're gonna start to see some really wild increases, and we're gonna that's when we're gonna start to see that return back up to you know more volatility to steal to steal from your book. I'm gonna say October we're gonna hit that that uh, we have hit that catalyst. Or enter in some wild times. Um, I have no good reason for October other than just a hunch, a hunch, a gut feeling, if you will. Probably as good a guess as anyone's there. And if I'm wrong, well, I shine my crystal ball again because it's a little cloudy. Um, 
But I think I like those predictions. They seem very, um, lo- they seem very plausible. They seem very likely. Um, and I, I'm here for that. I love a good, plausible, reliable prediction. Um, that being said, we are coming towards the end of time, which means we have to ask you one more ridiculous question to end out the year. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. This is similar to one that we've done before, but if you could have any animal as a sidekick for one day, but it has to be the size of a watermelon, what animal would you choose? So for clarification, does it have to be like round and like an oval? Like a- No, it just has to be like watermelon size. Like a, like a watermelon shaped corgi. That's my answer. All right. Well, I still might choose a watermelon shaped corgi. Um, the answer um, or a small dog, um, mainly because my daughter is um, she's not quite two. She is obsessed with dogs. And so uh, having a dog as a sidekick would be wonderful because, you know, like, you know, it would entertain her. It would make her happy. And like it might give me a minute here or there to like get something else done besides, um, you know, having to help her out with, you know, her her current objectives, which um are a high priority usually a nice child distraction i mean honestly that seems like a very useful sidekick like you do the thing keep the kid busy i'm gonna go do literally anything else for five minutes alone well you know what it's and it it makes her happy too right it's a win-win i like it i like it so if anyone um wants to question your watermelon pet or um if they have some of their own hot freight opinions that they would like to share with you or chat about where can they find you outside the shelves yeah um arrivalogistics.com you know um navigate to our insights page all of our content is there and the ability to reach out and connect with myself um that's probably the best place to go um likewise i'm also very responsive and accessible on linkedin um you can find me you know uh searching for me uh david spencer is a little bit of a common name but um you know uh obviously you could go to the check call page and navigate to any one of the numerous episodes i've been on and um, find me there as well. So, um, yeah, that's probably the the best places to find me. I've heard Twitter is is sort of exploding right now in the freight world. Uh, maybe I need to get involved there. So, uh, we'll work on that for next time. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Mary. Happy New Year. You can find Check Call the Podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to check out all the other incredible Freight Waves podcasts, such as Running on Ice and Great Quarter Gals. Don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter on FreightWaves.com slash Check Call. See you on the internet.